0: Listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast.
1: This week's episode is sponsored by Life and Longbows. Life and Longbows is the first collection of public works written by my dear friend and traditional outdoors co-host Nick View. While it is about traditional bow hunting, Life and Longbows isn't your typical bow hunting book. In Life and Longbows, Nick laces up his boots and places you inside his shoes to experience the failures and successes of a young traditionalist navigating the pitfalls of a newly discovered pastime. While many works of hunting literature are from a more professional perspective, Nick's is refreshingly different. He didn't start shooting or hunting with a bow until he was 27 and had little knowledge or instruction in either activity. The result is a unique perspective that is full of honesty, meaning, as well as humor. Now, I've been reading Nick's writings for many years on lifeandlongbows.com and was fortunate enough to get a sneak peek at the finished product. I enjoyed it immensely, and I know you will too. The Kindle version is now available on Amazon. Simply bring up amazon.com, search for Life in Longbows, and download it to your phone, tablet, or desktop. And from there, you can also choose to order a paperback copy of the book as well. A third option is also available to order a copy and that is directly from Nick's website lifeandlongbows.com and from there you will receive a signed copy of Nick's book. I know I can speak for Nick in saying he hopes you will enjoy reading the book as much as he enjoyed writing it. Greetings everyone, welcome to the Traditional Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Steve Angel. And we've got something planned tonight that I think going to be uh, pretty special. I'm joined by my good friends, Nick View and Mr. Tom Jurgensen tonight. How's it going, guys?
2: Doing awesome.
1: It's going real good, Steve. How are you doing? You know what? I'm I'm doing fantastic. I'm still missing deer season now that it's closed, but I'll survive. <laughs> So, uh, I'll be all right. But for, for everyone listening, we, um, me and the guys kind of got together and we, we talked about something that we'd like to do. And that's kind of just put a wrap on the, the 2018 season and, and maybe talk about a few things that we, we haven't talked about, uh, on the podcast today, probably brush over some of the things that we have, but we definitely won't go into a lot of detail. You can go back and find the respective episodes. Uh, if you haven't already heard those and listen to those for yourself, uh, maybe talk about a few things that went really well, one thing that didn't go so well, and then maybe talk about some uh, goals we might have for 2019 if we can get to it. We'll just kind of see how this all plays out. How's that sound, guys?
0: Sounds yeah. great. Sounds a good episode.
1: All right. Well, um, we'll just kind of jump in. I know my deer season runs a little later than, than you guys, so I know I was I was doing a little bit of freezing in a, in a tree stand up until about mid-January last year, but for, for the three of us, um, our, our, our hunts respectively or collectively as a group kind of kicked off in March with a, uh, a regular hunt that I've, I've gotten involved with in the last couple of years that, that I've really found myself looking forward to it. It, it happens to coincide with one of my real good friends, uh, birthdays every year. And that's the, that's the Camp Hambush Hog Hunt in South Carolina in March. And last year, that would have been me and you, Tom, and some other friends we we may mention here or there. But that was your first hunt last year, too, right?
2: It was. Yeah, that was great. Uh, kind of March, starting to warm up down there. Um, that's one where you and I, we've, we've, we've had some good success over the years. So uh, maybe my expectation was a little too high for 2018. I don't know.
1: Well, and that's, so that's the funny part. And I I think we talked about this a little bit and I know there was some stuff on Facebook and social media and it kind of starts to all run together. But, you know, there was, there was definitely some hogs killed in camp that week. We, you and I just, I don't know, we were, we had some, we had had some bad juju following (laughs) us around that week because I know we got into camp a day early Mm -hmm. um, and actually hunted an, you know, an extra afternoon and right off the bat uh i had hogs come in shot a hog uh there was there was a slight chance for rain it started raining i, I actually came down early and interrupted your hunt because mm-hmm. I, I wanted us to
2: as, as you do to
1: get on <laughs> <laughs> either either directly or by waving flashlights around right yeah um so I uh, knocked on your, your blind, and uh, we went back and picked up the trail on that hog. Didn't like what we saw. Yep. So we decided we were going to pull out and maybe see if somebody else wanted to come back and look for us later, which Derek Sheehan did eventually. But then we're walking back out, and lo and behold, while you were helping me, hogs had showed up at your feeder. Mm-hmm. So now we <laughs> – and this was uh, – what was that shot, 10 yards maybe probably about that anyway short story long we looked for hogs the better part of that night a good part of the next morning and i'm wondering if those two hogs aren't still running i i still for the life of me do not know what the heck happened that week but
2: i've never seen anything like it i mean i've I've seen i've seen some trails go dry but they just kept going and going and going. And I don't know how that we didn't get those in the cooler.
1: And we, we weren't pushing them because we didn't go. I mean, it was, it was a couple hours before we went back mm-hmm. and I know that was the one and I, I, I actually had some video that I posted on, on Facebook and I wrote a, an article about it that ended up in, uh, I think that one was in Compton's, mm-hmm. um, uh, walking woods newsletter and it even basically what I had to do was sit down and break that video down frame by frame to, to see what happened. And basically it looked like, and you can't be hundred percent sure. It looked like that air impacted just a little bit further back than I would have liked. Uh, and to the naked eye, it looked like a perfect shot because it, when the air passed through it, it went into a, an Oak root there at the top of the ground. And as the hog was moving, it made the fletching look like it was further forward than it really was. So you know, it's just one of those things. It it was still a great hunt. Um any any time I get to share a camp with at a minimum you and and Doug and Rick Butler and Derek Sheehan, you know, those guys are just great. David Riley, I'm trying to remember who all was on that hunt. Andrew's work was on that hunt. That's the first time I'd got to hunt with him, I think. Oh
2: yeah. Yeah. And that was the one so um, I mean the the worst mistake. And Donovan Watson was there. Yeah, we're, Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, the, the, the big mistake I made was um, I ended up having to go to a, a work thing for three days right in the middle of that week. Yep. So, I forgot that. So I show up, have a hog I don't recover, go to work for three days in the middle of it, come back, and then I had to leave early to go up to the uh, Compton Big Game Classic in Pittsburgh. So I think I only hunted one more day. And then I didn't want to shoot something and need to track it and butcher it. So I, I kind of sat out for the, another one, but yeah, you know what? I learned a lot of lessons right there and I'll never do that plan again. <laughs>
1: that's a, that's a long drive for three days, brother. It is, yeah. Especially to turn around and drive that far back. But we, we have that, we have that hunt scheduled again this year. Um, pretty much the same crowd overall. And I can't wait. I'm, I'm already just chomping at the bit i sent my my two-piece takedown saint charles bow back to jay he's doing a refinish on it and uh the the sleeve it was developing just a little bit of a, a creak in it so he's doing all that and he's promised me i'm gonna have that back for for the uh for the hog hunt in march so can't awesome wait. so let's let's skip ahead unless there's is there anything else about that that hunt you'd like to throw out tom because we're burying it after tonight so
2: (laughs) nope i'm ready for that okay (laughs) let's move on
1: so next i know although i've got uh i've got a couple of people specifically joey bell and i'm calling him out on the podcast has has committed to showing me what the heck i'm doing wrong so that i will actually fall in love with turkey hunting so I may get to this year, but turkey hunting has just not been something I've really been drawn to. I'd rather go out and chase hogs and Tom, I don't know if I've ever talked to you. are you much of a turkey hunter?
2: Uh, nope <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I, I went one morning I called in two it was awesome it was fun i uh I do intend to get one with my longbow maybe this year, but it's uh it's not my driving force
1: well then we'll maybe we'll maybe we'll both get lucky this year. So, but Nick, on the other hand, is, is kind of crazy about turkey hunting and you had some pretty good adventures last year, I right? I did.
0: So, uh, last year was a, a continuation of the oath, which is, uh, is, and will continue to be the oath until the oath is fulfilled and either John Bushine and I, or I get a turkey on the ground. So that's what we've been, that's what I've been kind of calling it. We set out. A couple seasons ago, at first we were gonna go. We were both kind of going a little bit a half and half. We were going gun and bow. You know, I've, I've never been. I'm not real experienced with a shotgun. John's gotten plenty of turkeys with a shotgun, but John had made the decision that he was going after turkeys longbow only, running gun, just like he used to hunt with a shotgun, and I wanted to too, and. We kind of we kind of made a, a, a silent vow to just stick with the bows until one of us gets a turkey or both of us gets a turkey or whatever we decide to do. So the last couple seasons we've been doing that. We've been really close to success. This year was the closest we've ever been. Um, we we tried some new property, and, and honestly, John's the nut here. John is the John is the experienced turkey hunter. We have a lot of fun hunting together, but sometimes I feel like I'm along for the ride, you know, recording it all for posterior, <laughs> uh, but in recording and recording John and his every move, <laughs> but uh, it's a lot of fun. John is a great guy to hunt with um, and he really loves the birds and and we we found some, there was some new property this year that we we got to hunt on. It used to be uh, private property. And they opened it up to hunting, uh, to the public. And, uh, we were one of the first people to hunt on it. Um, there were a few more, there's two or three groups of dedicated turkey hunters in the area and probably a lot more that we don't know about, but in, in, in our dealings, we always seem to run into the same people. And, um, it's been pretty cordial and it's been, it's been a lot of fun. We had a couple bad encounters where we had, we had good situations where people kind of, kind of came up and sat right next to us and put decoys out and stuff like that, and didn't really care whether we were there or not. But at one point, the highlight of that uh, we—I mean, we—two days worth of hunting was just unbelievable. Um, just story after story, and and the first, the first experience we had ended up with me and John on either side of a six-foot-around oak on the edge of a field. And John's got one turkey 15 yards away behind me and I can't see it. And I got another turkey five yards in front of me that I can't do anything about because it's right in front of me. And he's moving around and making noise. And I'm trying to tell him to shut up around this tree because I got a turkey in front of me and he's trying to get in position to shoot this other bird. And if we both would have had guns, we'd have tagged out that first morning, Um, both at the same time, just about. Because they were that close, if I'd have had a gun on my on my knee, all I would have had to do was hit that trigger and it would have been over. And that was the same hunt that we uh, the raccoon the raccoon came down from the tree all ornery and tried to attack the turkey. <laughs> and the turkey was too dumb to care. Um, but then the next day we had what I call the stalk and I'm actually writing about it right now. And Tom or John and I had it was funny because his wife, Diane, had just called him and wanted to know if we wanted to do lunch. And John, because she was hungry. And John said, sure. And then John spotted birds out in the field, and we were after it. And by the time we were done, this was a two-hour stalk through the woods that ended up with no shots, but 15 yards away from the most love crazed biggest tom i've ever seen in my life just feeding in a circle down this farm line this tree line on the edge of a cornfield just crazy working two or three hens and we ended up getting busted by by the hens who got out ahead of the tom and it was just man i was my teeth my jaw hurt from my teeth being clenched we were sore from standing still for so long and from moving so slow I mean, it was the best turkey hunt I've ever been on in my life, both of those. And to do that with longbows and just running gun and calling and, and, and going after birds, chasing birds around properties is special. I mean, that's just something that you just don't see very often. And that, you know, even though it was short, that was by far the best. We only, we only get a week anyway, but that was by far the best turkey hunt we, either of us, I think, have done. I mean, that was just, it was great. So that's what I was doing and that's another reason why I'm we're, I'm addicted to this whole deal. It's just it, it's if you really if you like it, you really like it. You know, it's there's not really a way to be kind of half and half into it, you know. It's just, it's in your blood or it's not and I I hope that Steve that you feel that at some point that you get an opportunity and it just revs your engine. Of course I'm sure you want something else to do. <laughs>
1: Well, and I've, I've, I mean, I've, I'm kind of like Tom. I've had them, I've had them in front of me. Uh, and I probably got my longbow to maybe, maybe half draw, but I noticed that I just, I didn't feel excited about it, but in all fairness, at the same time, I've never hunted them the way it sounds like you and John hunt them. So, you know, I don't even know where to begin really. So like I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be hitting up, uh, Joey. I've met Joey through, uh. BHA, one of the pint nights up in, um, Chattanooga. So he, he lives fairly close and we'll either, we'll either chase some in Tennessee or we'll chase some in Georgia or maybe both. We'll, we'll just kind of see how it goes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so that, uh, that would have been, when, when would that have been? That maybe? was, that, been that April, was the, we yeah? put in
0: for the first season this year and that was, uh, I think it started on April 22,
1: I think. All right. And I was, I did a little bit of, um, mostly scouting but looking for hogs here in north georgia during our turkey season last year but that was about all i did but now tom i know you ventured back to uh, to south carolina same property we we always talk about mm-hmm. and i know that was um that hunt was that was full of mixed emotions for you i do know that
2: well i certainly uh was not happy with how march ended and um uh, so I was, I was there when Wild Things opened, uh, December of 2013 and when Andrew passed, um, and the kids got, uh, all the arrangements made to open up the, the camp, uh, under Wild Things for one more year, uh, I knew that I wanted to be there, uh, when it opened and I wanted to be there when it, when it closed up and, uh, mm-hmm. help, help with any work that needed to get done or wrap up and. And I knew I knew, needed some closure, um, too. So I booked in for the very last hunt and, uh, it was May, a lot of rain, horrible forecast. Um, uh, a guy I've known for, for m- many years now, Bud, uh, came down, he was in on that hunt and, uh, somebody I'd known online for a long, long time, uh, booked in. Uh,
1: that's, is that, uh, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay.
2: And, um, so the three of us got there, um, wanted to hang some trail cameras and, and show the, uh, Tony, our first time hunter, a bit of the property and a bit about hopefully hog sign. And, uh, first night out, man, we, we got into, I don't know, 20, 25, 30, uh, in a sounder and they were on a feeder. And I, I was like, hey, Tony, follow me. Let's sneak up there. The wind is right. Let's let's get in close. We didn't have bows with us or anything. But it's like, you just like giving somebody that thrill of being in close with, with wild animals. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we stalking in, you know, step by step and just swarmed by mosquitoes that were horrible. And we're getting closer right. and getting closer. And we're in some real high grass. And um, all of a sudden, I can hear this real guttural growl. And I realized that there's pigs in the grass i'm in not just under the feeders and i'm like this is too tight and too nasty so uh we vacated i couldn't i couldn't see my ankles in there so i, I didn't want to be in there too long uh so we pulled out super exciting um saw lots of pigs lots of places sign everywhere uh, thinking we're in for a pretty good hunt uh get back next day get up uh string the bows up do a little shooting in camp everything's you know looking pretty optimal other than the rain uh, jump in the gator with the guys and I threw my bow in the back. And as I'm pulling out of camp, my bow tip hangs up on a uh, post. And with the way the bow was in the back, it snapped my bow in half. And I had just kind of come to talking to you guys about how I was going to give up and just acknowledge that I was a one bow guy. And that was it. Then, and then you broke it. And, uh, and then I snapped it in half. Man. And I can't tell you, like, if you want to talk about lows, I mean, there was part of me that's just like, you know what? Maybe I should just sell all the bows. Maybe this is just a sign. Right. I was like, it's so, I can't believe how a physical thing can hold such a connection. And the guys were great. Uh, they just wouldn't hear of it. Uh, Charlie, Drove back well, before
1: you before before you move forward. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but I, there is a component of this that I definitely want to hear. Um, so why 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 that bow? And what made it? What made it? I mean, and, and I don't want to belittle the fact that it wasn't a cheap bow, but
2: I had nothing to do with it.
1: You know, a bow is a bow. So you know, go into a little bit as far as what made the bow special,
2: <laughs> if you don't mind. Uh, so. I only got it because I needed a two piece, uh, for my trip to Africa that I could fit into certain luggage and transport in country. Um, Mm -hmm. so I got an identical to my, my first black widow bow. So 64 pounds, uh, 66 inches long, just, I mean, swapped strings, arrows work great. It was just, it was a great thing. First hunt dropped a tree stand on it, scratched it all up. It's (laughs) like, okay. And I was there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Busted the hogs. I I snuck up that tree without those hogs knowing I was there. And I didn't know they were there. I dropped the tree stand on my bow and then insult to injury, chased the hogs away. Um, That was the bow I took to Wyoming the first time when we went hunting pronghorn. Um, Mm -hmm. The first animal I, I took with that bow was that giant monster boar that I'd been hunting for a year and a half. Um, just, I mean, I, I've had so much, so many good experiences and so much luck with it and it got to where I didn't really shoot anything else. And I, people would be like, Hey, you know, try my bow out or check this bow out. And I, I I just didn't want to, it's like, I had my bow and I had my, 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 my setup and it just always worked. And it was a real sweet spot, right? It was plenty for big game. But it was nothing I minded shooting year round. So yeah, it was my bow and uh, now it's broke.
1: And I know over the years Nick's given you a, a bit of a fun hard time about the the soulless bow yes. uh, but, but yeah. you you had built a lot of soul mm-hmm. into that bow and I, I know that was I know that was tough. It was a lot of firsts and yeah. uh, a lot of a lot of special memories. So before we move back to you know the guys being great, so do you did you come up with anything? cool to, to do with the remnants of the bow or you just have it sitting in a closet somewhere?
2: Uh, actually, uh, a friend of ours, Jamie has it right now. Uh, and I asked him to just glue it up to a cosmetic safe place where I can hang it up on a wall. Uh, I've took a photograph of every animal I took with it and printed and framed it and I've got a bow rack. And so uh, in the next room over, I'll hang that bow and then all the pictures of uh, me and the, the the game taken. And then I have a a back quiver that'll hang on a hook next to it that has uh, the arrows uh, from those hunts.
0: That's awesome.
2: So that's very that's cool. Where it's to go very
0: fitting. Yep. Yeah. I'm sorry, oh, Nick. I said that's awesome. That's
1: yeah. That. I, and I would have expected no less. And I honestly, you had not told me that, but I knew there would be, there would be some kind of plans there. So I'm glad I asked.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I should be getting uh, that. I think, I think maybe this weekend I'll get that back from him. So yeah.
1: Very cool. So back to, back to your, back to the story. So the guys were, would have none of you throwing in the towel.
2: Yeah. So, um, I did sit out that night. I did take a little time off. I wasn't, I wasn't ready yet. Um, I took the guys out, put them put them out to hunt when picked them up, had a little dinner. Um, Charlie went to town and, uh, Andrew had two bows in his place there. And one was a recurve. One was a long bow. I'm like, you know, get the long, get the long straight one. Um, and he brought that out to camp and, uh, Elberg, uh, American semi long, I think it was right around 80 pound. Uh it's one that Andrew had got when he thought he might want to go do one more buffalo hunt, um, Cape Buffalo with a bow. And, uh, he had a surgery right after that. So he came up to Michigan for a Compton, uh, rendezvous. I twisted up a new string for it and served it, uh, picked up some arrows. I mean, it was like, well, you know, that, that injury, um, he had a problem with it. He had to have another surgery before he could work up in bow weight. Uh, he had a surgery on the opposite side or something. So as it turns out, I pulled this thing out of the sock. And the string that I had made something like four years before still didn't have a knock on it.
0: Hmm.
2: It's just the way that it had been all that time, hanging in the lodge and then, then back at his house. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't even get myself to string it, man. I was, I was shaken with the idea of snapping a bow. And now, you know, to have my best friend's bow in my hand after he's passed, like, if that broke in my hands, I just, I don't, I, you know, it was in a delicate spot.
1: Mm-hmm. Just
2: being, mm-hmm. being honest, Understandable. right? Um, Bud grabbed a stringer, whipped it on, strung the thing up, handed it to me. It's like, tying a knock point, just go shoot like, <laughs> he, he didn't give me any option for no. And, uh, so I did. I tied a knock point on it and, uh, grabbed my arrows, went out and checked them at the bale, and, uh, had lots of options. We could have rebuilt or tuned, you know, for what we needed. And just the way that riser was cut, it was shooting those arrows just beautifully. Um, I didn't have much time to practice. So I said, I'm going to limit myself to real close shots. Um, Went out that night and had 16 hogs come in and, uh, there weren't a, weren't a bunch of big ones, but I did pick one boar out of the bunch that was a little bigger than the rest. And I said, if this one gives me what I need, I'm going to, I'm going to make my shot. And I'd kind of given up. He kind of went outside. I was in a ground blind, kind of went outside my view. I figured he was gone. And it was like 20 minutes later, all of a sudden he was right in front of me, like three yards. And I pulled back and said that little prayer and let it go and went right where it was supposed to go, passed through, uh, stuck in the mud on the other side, string tracker on. Uh, he went running out, gave it a little time, it broke off the string, went out at night, flashlights, followed the string to the end of it. It was on a pretty dominant trail. 15 more yards, there he was. It was the just most beautiful, could not have been better orchestrated intentionally, um, way not just to come back from snapping my bow in half, but, you know, also saying goodbye to my friend and, you know, closing up camp as we knew it. So it was the perfect bookend to many years of my life.
1: Well, and I think we we all three know uh, or knew Andrew well enough to know that he was smiling. He was he was looking down at that whole situation, <laughs> except probably for the broken bow. But he, <laughs> he hey, was he was looking down and smiling about all of that. Never would have happened that way
2: if I didn't break my bow. Think about that.
0: Yep. Yep. That's true.
1: Sometimes, sometimes just things just have a way of happening for a reason. And I know, I know how I would feel. And I know you were a lot, you knew, you knew Andrew longer. You got a lot closer to Andrew. Um, if that had been me, I can honestly say I would, I would be able to look back and say it was worth breaking the bow for, for all of that, for everything else that happened. Yeah. I can't speak for you, but I'm pretty sure I know where you're at. Oh too. yeah.
2: Wouldn't do it on purpose, but yeah, no, I, I wouldn't take no, it back. I
1: wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't do it on purpose. either. That would be a uh, kind of an expensive, <laughs> 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 but, uh, so uh, thank you for, thank you for sharing that, Tom. I know that's, that's not something that I know you and I have talked about it, but, I don't know how much more you've talked about it other than that. So I do appreciate you sharing that is I, I, it's going to be hard to probably circle back to anything else that happened on that hunt, but was there, you know, was there anything else? was that pretty
2: much, it was good. You know, uh, Bud got a hog and, uh, we were, we were into him every day. It was just, you know, from that point forward, um, I did get another one the next day. Um, yeah, it was, it was just, um, really nice really nice way to to close it up
1: so you ended up with two hogs that that trip awesome very good very good well so we might as well end the podcast now because nothing else that happened the rest of the year is going (laughs) to top that top that story but i will keep going uh so nick you unfortunately uh, i think next on the on the timeline, you get to try to you get to try to live up to that. But uh, you found a you found a new hobby starting uh, not long after after that hunt. Yeah, took I had place. a little.
0: I had a. I actually, I would say that 2018 was my fly fishing awakening, actually, or my fishing awakening period. Because um, I was never much of a fisherman when I was a kid. You know, we did it for fun, but my mom had to bribe us, uh, or you know, at least me anyway. I wasn't that into it. You know, I'd never, I'd never really heard of fly fishing, kind of like bow hunting. I'd I'd never really heard about traditional bow hunting. So, you know, uh, John Moodry, Rob Jones, John Duchene, buddy, friends of the show, buddies of mine that were kind of on me to get into fishing. Um, they had accompanied, they had accompanied, uh, another friend of the, a friend of ours, um, and gone to a camp and really enjoyed it. Um, and they, you know, Rob got into it. John got into it. And John Moodry actually had, was the only one that out of all of us that had fly fished. And he kind of was resurrected or his interest was resurrected, um, by us getting into it. Um, John joined the MLA and, and, uh, you know, he was getting in into, getting into bows and stuff and we camped with him a couple years at GLLI and whatnot. And, you know, he was a buddy, but, um, We didn't really know he fished and then finally he got into, you know, we all got into fishing and John being the only one that really knew what he was doing, you know, started taking Rob and I more like we started meeting him and fishing on the rogue around here and stuff. But to back up how I got into it was we were, it was Memorial Day weekend. They'd been on me to fly fish I I started reading Gordon MacQuarie books and I really started getting into the storytelling of fly fishing and the romance of it. And I I wanted to be a part of it. I loved reading fishing stories, which was really weird because I'd never really been interested. Um, So I, uh, I said, well, okay, fine. And, uh, you know, they're like, well, Cabela's has a sale, you know, so I I went over there and I, I got a, I got a really cheap fishing rig for about 130 bucks you know got a cheap rod and everything and some a handful of flies and and we went the next day you know some waders some cheap waders and we had a blast i mean it was great i you know i hooked into my first brown didn't know what i was doing you know i did a little bit of nymphing tried to dry a couple times john kind of showed me the ropes on the fly and you know robin robin john gave me pointer, pointers and um it was just a day and and after that you know we went again it had had some fun times it was just a really enjoyable social experience other than the actual part of fit the actual fishing aspect of it but i don't think i've ever felt like i have in the river myself in anything else i've done um, just doing something myself Socially or by myself, I have equal an equally good time fly fishing. But it's one of those it, it's one of the few things where I'm just like I'm not looking to do it with anyone. Like I can I can I can wake up and say I'm going to five fly fishing today, or I'm working from home today. I'm going to hit you know I'm going to get up early and work, and I'm going to hit a two hour lunch break. I'm going to shoot down to the Rogue five minutes away, and I'm going to go. I'm going to get some trout fishing in. I was looking for every excuse possible to get into the water and fish. And when, and most of the year I was fishing when I should have been scouting for deer, (laughs) but I wanted to fish. I I, I could not help myself. I had to fish. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, you know.
1: Well, and you're forgetting, you're forgetting one thing. So when we, when we talked about starting the podcast and I told you we were going to get into, you know, some different topics other than just, you know, traditional archer and traditional bow hunting. And. When when I set up and reached out to Cameron Mortensen, that was in April. We had him on, and you didn't participate in that. And if I remember correctly, you had something else going on, but you said, "Ah, it's fly fishing. No, I'll exactly. let you handle that." And then you, <laughs> you 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 loved that episode. And don't get me wrong, I know the other guys jumping in helped that out, but
0: no, it was all together. Um, it was that too, because because I felt bad because the only experience I had was was bow hunting. And we wanted to do this podcast with a broad variety of things. And, and I, and, you know, you said, you know, I want to challenge you to branch out a little bit. And I said, yeah, I could do that. I could, I could do more outdoors and, you know, between the Macquarie and between that episode with Cameron, which was absolutely fantastic. And, and the whole, I still want a glass rod in the worst way, and I'm going to get one, but you know, that kind of all of that, plus them working on me, you know, just kind of fit. And the rod
1: that you got from nope, Scott's I went glass? with the, oh that's right it's I went right with I went with
0: a, a um I went with a graphite blank but that was only because it was an eight weight and I wanted to do some salmon and steelhead fishing with it and he figured that in the rivers yep. I was going in the rogue Muskegon Pierre Marquette you know especially especially maybe even the grand but especially the Muskegon and that they're they're powerful water and it would probably be good for me to have a graphite rod especially starting out. But right now I I can't get over how the how the glass rods look and the romance of the glass rod and the and the like I'm gonna get a glass rod. And when I get a glass rod, that's you know, I'll probably have Scott build me one. And I'm I'm probably not gonna go back. I'm probably just gonna fish glass rods. But Well I should have I should have a, a nice Yeah, yeah, you got enough, I it. would <laughs> say. Uh you you've got You know, I thought mine was nice looking and then you've got this blue one he's making and then you had the other two, the one from Vern and the one from, from Scott. And I was like, geez, you know, you, you've got some, some rods that would make a lot of guys just envious. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, I've just enjoyed every minute of it. You know, I chased small trout all year. The biggest, the biggest fish I hooked into was around, um, 11, 12 inches. Um, and nobody was there to see it, which sucks. Uh, <laughs> and I, but I got that one on my own fly actually, which was pretty cool. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, that's yeah, and you know cool. I got into tying too, and I didn't think I would. And Tom helped me out with tying. He he let me borrow all of his stuff. I just gave it that back to him not too long ago. But now I got my all my own gear. i Am looking for reasons to shoot squirrels and and. You know, find people who hunt partridge and and all kinds of stuff because I want the materials. <laughs> I've even considered <laughs> pulling over to the side of the road and cutting a squirrel tail off road roadkill once or twice now. So <laughs> I'm like, I think I might have an issue or a problem here. Um, but you know, it's it's just been great. Well, uh, I'll, I
1: and I can tell you, uh, I have honestly really enjoyed not only you know, watching your successes, but I've enjoyed watching you along the journey and I've really enjoyed seeing your excitement and, you know, it's, it's, it's really the first thing that, that I think I've, I've had the opportunity to I- introduce you to that you've really, you know, you've really enjoyed and that, that, you know, like I said, I was, I was just glad to be a part of that. That's oh, and you, really yeah. cool. and. And hopefully we, we figure out maybe, maybe this year, you know, when I come up for Comptons, if we can figure something out, maybe me, you and Scott can get together for, for at least an afternoon of some fishing while I'm up there or something, but mm. I have, I have not got nope. to fish And you know, the, yet,
0: the so. funny thing about that is Steve, is that, you know, as, as you know, I'm, I've been always kind of a homebody and, and been satisfied, you know, hunting white tails in my own backyard kind of a deal and, and, you know, going on deer hunts and stuff and. And, you know, I've never really had the desire to go. I've never had big des- desires to go to Africa or to go to Alaska or, or anything like that. You know, I do want to hunt out west with you guys at some point, but I've never had big aspirations to, to do anything. But when I started fishing and now I'm hearing everybody talk about all these rivers all across the country, I want to see these rivers and I want to fish these rivers And I think part of it for me is that I've got, you know, I struggle with anxiety and there is no anxiety when I fish. There is no anxiety. There's no room for it. I could fish all day. I put in, you know, a solid eight hours of fishing one day on a day off and didn't, I didn't even catch that much. And I didn't even notice. It's one of those things where I don't know if it's just the constant activities therapeutic or, or what, or there's always another part of the water to explore or there's always a fish in a hole or on a riffle or on the bend. Or, the, or or maybe I find the fly that works, that perfect combination. But it never gets boring. And it just makes me want to do it more. I get out and I want to do it again. And, I mean, it's kind of a problem because it'll take your money. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'll I tell you what.
1: Uh, I can... I can- I can speak from experience. You can get anxiety into fly fishing. You just need to be, uh, in a, in a gin clear stream in Wyoming, casting into a 20 mile <laughs> an hour headwind with a three weight rod and you can get some anxiety, anxiety, lived it, been there, done that. Tom will absolutely make you sick. Oh,
0: I saw the video. Those Tom, that was, that was pretty sweet. Yeah. He
1: I thought I liked him until then. Yeah, I know. I, I know. know, and if anyway, i fish with him
0: now. I'm probably just going to yeah. be all, all kinds of nervous because I, I just, you know, <laughs> don't, nah, Tom, know Tom never, Tom never gets, Tom never gets cocky about anything. And whenever we talk about fly fishing, and he starts getting amped up, and he always goes, he, he always says, uh, "Man, you know, you get this, this, and this." And man, I just wish I was as good of a bow hunter as I am a fly fisherman.
1: uh, it's
0: true i aspire
1: well and and you know i'll tell you that uh, i i tried replicating what he was doing i i just couldn't do it i just gave up i just turned around and started casting with (laughs) but but, uh you actually meant so it was funny you actually mentioned that you didn't have you didn't have any aspirations about hunting anywhere like africa but One of the three among this group did. So we're going to shift gears again now and move forward to, uh, I think was it, it was July, Mm -hmm. right, Tom?
2: Yeah. So it's pretty funny. Actually, it's on, um, Jason Sankoviak's podcast right after I got back from my first trip to Africa and I was telling them like, there's no way I'm going back. I need to save money. It's going to be two years. Um, Famous last words. Yeah. So, (laughs) so 10 months later, I'm wheels up. Flew out on the 4th of July, watched the, uh, the fireworks over Charleston leaving out of Atlanta. Um, I did not intend to go back to Africa that quick. Um, While I was up at that big game classic in Pittsburgh for Compton, um, the South African government was going through some changes uh, politically mm-hmm. and there was a, a date where the, we're going to do a constitutional review, which may have caused problems um, similar to what happened in Zimbabwe some time ago. So I wanted to go before the middle of August because I'm like, you know what? There's nothing saying I'm going to have a chance after this. Probably. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. But if I want to go and haunt Africa again, this is the time. So, um, I went through every couch cushion and, uh, got all my points for all my, uh, airline miles and actually got a, a hotel in, uh, Jayburg on points and, uh, got it all scratched together and I went back to the same outfit that I had gone to, uh, the previous summer. Uh, with a planes game package, kind of everything that I kind of hoped I'd have a chance for, but I cut that first trip way too short. And so booked a whole week there, uh, just to hunt, uh, wildebeest and warthogs and blessed buck. And, uh, that was awesome. Great experience again this year. I mean, just kind of feel like family, um, great folks, um, uh, did have, and you mentioned on video, that one frame that makes something look bad. Uh, my warthog that shot, uh, looked horrible where I was at in the hide trying to get the angle, um, did not look good and absolutely got him. I mean, that, so the thing about video, sometimes you don't, sometimes you don't, um, couple days later uh got a a shot at a a wildebeest and and uh was successful with that and And that was
1: a gorgeous animal
2: yeah and the shot on that when he like laid down and put his paws out to drink um i hadn't calculated for where the vitals would be so i actually shot a little too far back uh there was some concern about um if it was too far back or not and um pH and I went out on the track and, uh, weren't, weren't, weren't real hopeful, but when we found him, he was, you know, the, the, the arrow was good. Um, uh, was able to sneak up and, and, and put one more arrow into him. And, uh, so yeah, that was good. Um, so yeah. And then I kind of assumed I wouldn't see a blessed buck they're not as predictable. Um, uh, and last day, very late in the morning, uh, sure enough, real old one walked in and stood broadside in just the wrong spot and made, a, made an opportunity for me. So that first week, um, I did everything I set out to do. Uh, I had a, a beautiful day up on the mountain. Um, so, it, yeah, first week was great. Uh, went back to Jayburg, caught a puddle jumper up north. And, uh, my real, my real primary drive to go was, uh, to try again for a Cape Buffalo with my longbow, um, got up there. Um, there was definitely a lot of Buffalo around, uh, Sable. I mean, i tell you what, I, I, I just, I've been there a couple times. I've talked about it a lot. You just cannot believe the stuff you see in just one given day hunting over there. I mean, sable ostrich, um, some gorgeous eland came in four of them, just monster, uh, animals. I mean, I've just so much stuff. The warthogs passing through all the, the normal stuff, uh, blackback, Jackal. I mean, just a beautiful animal came in, I think, on my first day. So, you know, you're just seeing all this stuff going on. Uh, the buffalo were coming in, buffalo were leaving. You know, the hard thing there is um, it's all based on herd management. And you're looking for very old bulls that are, you know, out of the cycle or, uh, you know, maybe a hazard to other, other buffalo there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I had this just amazing herd bull at like four yards for like two or three days. I mean, just this incredible bull just coming into his prime. And I just had to kept, keep waiting for the older ones, you know, to, to, to show up, um, a couple days in, um, in comes a big bunch. It was, uh, I think it was 16 or 17 bulls. And they were out in front of us for like 15, 20 minutes. And finally, there was one point in time where you got the big old bull and he's, you know, in the pan. He's, he's knee deep in water. Everything's perfect. Um, I had told the pH, you know, 15 and in with a longbow. Uh, uh, Ruan hit it with the laser range finder. He's like, it's 19 yards. You know, we can wait. No big deal. You got a couple days left. Don't worry about it. And I tell you guys, I was shooting lights out in camp. I mean, it was scary. I wouldn't even have believed it was me shooting. And I'm like, (laughs) No man, I got it. Like, I'm shooting. He opened up the window for me, pulled the bow back, everything just felt perfect. It's like it was one of the best arrows I have ever felt in my life. It was like it was magic. And it it, arrows don't go into slow motion for me. Like I don't I don't have that thing happen, but it happened this Mm -hmm. time. I let go, and I watched that thing. It was just going straight where it was supposed to go. It was just beautiful. And it hit exactly where it was supposed to hit. And that bull lunged forward. And I was watching, right? I mean, I, I wanted a pass through. I at least needed it to get deep. And it fell out. And we waited. And the buffalo all circled around the one that got shot. It was kind of weird. They're all looking each other over. And at one point, he gets kind of perturbed, and he starts smacking heads, kind of getting real belligerent with that herd bull. And uh, and they walk off into the brush together. So go out, pick the arrow up, and Steve, after talking about your, your piebald, uh, <laughs> penetration was yeah. maybe two inches. And when I lined up the tip of my broadhead to – an unused broadhead for my quiver, uh, the end of it was gone. So, uh, I punched a rib as expected and years worth of effort and design and practice had resulted in a failure to breach. We had a little powwow, pH came out, uh, a couple trackers. Um, I don't think anybody was hopeful but we said, okay, let's, let's get on the track. You know, sometimes things are better than you think. Maybe there's something, you know, let's, let's go, let's try. And we spent the entire afternoon and up into dusk uh, tracking the animal and it got to where by, by, by the end, right. And there's, there's, I mean, you can just, your nostrils are filled with the smell of Buffalo and there's greasy scat like all over the trails in front of you. It's fresh, right? I mean, the flies are just finding it. Like we're close. And we bumped them. Didn't get hairy. They went the other way. Uh, we backed out. And on the way back, we ended up seeing four buffalo that had broken off from the group. And one of them's got this big wet stain going down its hide. Right over, right over the double long, right? The center of the triangle. And like in an instant, pull an arrow out, send it, and it punches in deep. All Pretty much all the way up to the fletch. Uh, it was a slight quartering. and But now we got it, right? Now we got a good arrow in it. And next day, went out, tracked, uh, bumping buffalo over and over. We had them at, at 80 yards. We bumped into them at 60 yards. We see them at 40 yards. We see them at 100 yards. The wind shifts. They run away. I mean, it was... Probably one of the most intense days of field I could ever explain, uh, but we didn't find him. We could never, we could never see the side we needed to see on the buffalo. We thought it was. Do it again for another day. Don't find, you know, don't find a carcass. Pull up um, last day and a uh, pH is like okay. I mean, if if he's still up at this point, um, we need to put it down. I know you're a bow hunter. Um, how do you feel about? Uh, carrying a rifle or me putting it down with a rifle. I'm like, totally good. If we see the animals up after two days, like we definitely need to end it, uh, put it out of its misery. i uh, feeling pretty bad, right? I mean, if that's a possibility at this point, I, I don't like it. I hope he's holed up somewhere and, and, and gone. We ended up getting really close to Buffalo. Unintentionally, uncomfortably uh, light flashing before your eyes close. We did not have to shoot. The herd broke off at about 11 yards. Um, At that point, uh, the pH and the tracker jumping up and down screaming at them. Uh, And luckily they decided not to continue the charge. But... After that, pretty much everything in life has seemed pretty boring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. Um, So, you know, to to wrap the story, I I got on the airplane and uh, I got a message uh, when I got back to the States that uh, the bull had come out to basically attack some farm workers. And uh, he put it down with with a bullet uh, then. So... I've been, I've been sitting on that. It's been, it's been over six months now, right? Um, it's a, it's a hard journey. I don't think I'm going to hunt Cape Buffalo again. I could be wrong. I don't think there's anything I could have done better, right? 87 pounds of bow, almost just shy of 1100 grains of arrow. You know, I mean, put it in the right spot practiced. I, I just don't, I don't think it was meant to be with me in that bowl. And I'm still, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still, I don't know, still processing a little bit.
1: Good. Well, and I know it's, I know it's something that, um, we had talked about once before about talking about it. And we decided, you know, we wanted to wait till you, you know, you, yeah, I guess you would come to grips with it enough yourself. So.
2: <laughs> well, uh, another, there's one silver lining and, uh, the place that I was hunting their one of their big things is, um, breeding captive lions, like zoos, stuff like that need certified disease free, you know, not trapped out of the wild, um, animals. And so the good thing is, um, you know, we did get to feed the cats. It was really cool being in camp and hearing lions roar every night. Um, so, uh, it's a neat part of the experience. You know, nothing goes to waste. Um, so, that's, you know, the two big events of the year, right? I broke my bow and, and had that hunt with Andrew's bow. And then uh, I, I, had my, I had my time on the ground with the bulls. Yeah,
1: and I'll be honest, Tom, between the bow and, and that arrow, you had an expensive
2: year. You know? <laughs> but, Let's uh, not think about it that way. That uh, might hurt.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I know it would hurt. It would hurt. It hurts me th- for you just thinking about it. But. Yeah. So, uh, I know, um, you came back from Africa and it wasn't long after that. Then, you know, it seemed like a few weeks and, And we headed west to Wyoming. We've kind of covered that and beat that to death. So I don't want to go into that. I think when we, you know, when we go to wrap up, I'll probably touch on it just a little bit with our, you know, favorite moments. But uh, Wyoming was great. And then we moved into um, deer slash bear season. Um, And I really, you know uh, there's not a lot that I want to talk about there. I mean, I, I, I had some good, I had a, I had a good season. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna lie about it. I had a real good season. I know, Nick, you had a little bit of frustration. Um, Tom, I don't think you actually got out all that much. I know, um, we talked a little bit about your bear hunt. Uh, do you want to, you want to talk about that a little bit?
2: You know, I think we, I think I covered the, the hunt, um, you know, I think to, you did. as much as I needed, I'll just say that, you know, after that, that loose end in Africa, that was a really nice way to just have a, a clean, swift, you know, just like you want to hunt that brought out great meat. I just cooked up a, a bear shank, uh, actually with Doug Gilmore, uh, for new years. Um, cool. Yeah. Just great meat and, and a, and a fantastic experience. So. It was a nice way to wrap up my season. I didn't feel like going deer hunting much after that.
1: And Nick, uh, you know, I've, I've pretty much decided if, if you and I ever hunt again, we're not, we're not doing a, we're not doing a three day hunt. And I'll, I'll tell you why it's not about, for me, part of it is about the fact that there's just, the odds are so, um, tough that you're actually going to have some success in, you know, trying to get to a new location, get some kind of idea where you're hunting and be successful inside of a three-day period. Mm -hmm. But the the flip side of that too is when you were here, we hunted hard. Um, Mm -hmm. So hard. In fact, I don't know that we had, you know, aside from, you know, while we were in the vehicle driving, we probably didn't spend over an hour really talking the whole time you were here it was like if if we weren't hunting we were eating or sleeping
0: yeah pretty much uh, alone staring into the woods uh occasional occasional message back and forth yeah. that was that was pretty much it
1: and you know i know that's it. part of that's the pressure that you know i know you know doing an out-of-state hunt like that on you uh, it's from a, a financial perspective you know that's a big deal for you and if you're gonna pay for the license i really want you to you know have the chance to hunt but You know, it, it does take away of, away from part of what I think is most important about the hunt that's, you know, sharing in the experiences and so forth. And we just didn't, we didn't have it this time. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, I, I've got one little clip of video from on the GoPro and I don't even know if you knew I had that running then. I think it was the first day you came out of the, the split Oak stand down in middle Georgia. Uh, for, you know, for midday, uh, mm-hmm. that's, and we didn't take, I don't think we took a single picture that we didn't take individually while we were in the stand or something. So, you know, just wasn't a lot to remember that hunt by, but
0: you know. Nope. I, I saw three deer in 30 seconds, didn't have the chance to shoot in a, in a mangy possum <laughs> and that's I, pretty much, and some cows. And I had a, I had a family <laughs> of
1: raccoons and I had that one button buck, but, I. I had underneath me for probably 15 minutes. In fact, I was going back through video footage over the weekend and, and I actually videotaped that little deer for probably, or not videotaped, but I've got him on video for probably, I don't know, probably five or six minutes total, um, outside of the time that I was just watching him. So. Mm -hmm. Not a very eventful hunt. We've definitely had, um, we've definitely had hunts that we had more memories, but I think both of us really wanted to focus on hunting while you were here. I mean, that was kind
0: of the goal and. Well, and we were real excited about the places too. I mean, you had, you know, not touched some of these places and they all were very promising sign wise. I mean, it's just, it was, it shut down that week. uh, That's it. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I think we hit a, I think we hit a really weird time where I had, those stands were selected for a a specific type of activity. And I think we just hit it during a time because they were, you know, most of the stands that we had were on the edge of transition lines. uh, And, you know, I think it was just that. If if it had been another week, you always hear that, well, if you'd been here last week or if you'd would been here next week, but I really think it <laughs> yeah. came down to a week. I mean, you know, I took I – both of the bucks I ended up taking, I took off of um, the, the track of land in middle Georgia. And both of the does, I took off the track that we hunted in north Georgia. So, it, you know, mm-hmm. it, was just, it was just timing. That's all it was. I mean –
0: yeah. And I, and I don't really look at, I mean, I don't look at it as a disappointment. I mean, I had, I had, well, fun. not now anyway. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, and, and, you know, honestly, I was just kind of, you know, it was, it was just good to, to hang out and be there. And I got to hunt some, I, I really needed a change of scenery Yeah, is basically what it was. You know, my, my season was, you know, I missed that buck, uh the second time in the woods, which was really a highlight actually, because I don't get ahead was of a partic- me. <laughs> oh, there you Well, you're circling back to deer season. Already. No, no, no. We're going to come back to, we're going to come back to your, your favorite moments at the end, but yeah, but we, uh, but you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that it, it was, it was a challenging season for me, but I also think, and you and I talked about this, that my expectations have changed, um, before, and this podcast is part of it. And, and, uh, you know, writing, writing life and longbows is part of it. But when I started this, I didn't care what I, what I shot. I didn't care if I shot anything. And now it's changed a little bit. You know, I, am around, I've been around it long enough and I've experienced success and I've been around people that have had great seasons, you know, and you and Tom had great seasons and it's one of these things that's kind of like, it's time for, I want to have a great you season. You want to take it to the next it's, level. It, yes, exactly. and, and, you know, am I ever going to be a certain, at a certain level? Probably not, but there's, but I definitely can go to another level with it. And so I don't look at it as a disappointment. I look at it as I took a step. It's just, it wasn't a big step, but it, on my deer hunting, but it wasn't a step back either. I think there was a lot of small improvements. I could talk about that later, but um yeah, I, I don't see visiting you I mean I never see visiting you or anybody else is ever a disappointment. No, I get or, that. I didn't mean it that way. I, I did leave I did leave during the best rut in Michigan, which was kind of funny. <laughs> but- <laughs> well that's cause you, that, that was just cause you weren't there. Exactly. I think I, I'm just cursed. <laughs> So, dear so, deer wise, and
1: I, and again, we're about to wrap up, you know, we're about to put a lid on, on the year, but you know, I, I do want to come back to, to, you know, things we're going to try to do for next year. Cause one of the things that I'm really going to try to do for this coming year is I'm, I'm going to really try to push you a little bit, um, you know, to really get out there and, 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 you know, hang up the fly fishing for a weekend here or two, cause I know you're going to want to be doing that, but you know, really get out there. And do some of the things that you, I think, you kind of started doing the late season when you were hunting that that property there at the you know at the um, mm-hmm. uh, university. But anyway, you know, really analyze what you're seeing and and thinking about the big picture. And I honestly think it'll make a big difference for you next year. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, I do too. You know, that's I think that's something that you should really plan to start doing just as soon as you've got you know, I don't know how much snow you guys have got right now, but as soon as the snow's gone, that's when I think you ought to be out there. Um, Mm-mm. so, uh, but anyway, I guess I want to officially for the podcast for, you know, for everybody listening for, for the three of us, put a lid on, on the 2018 season. Is there, is there any aspect or hunt or anything that you've thought of as we've gone through this, that you, that you want to bring up before we, before we move into, what our favorite moments were real quick. No, Any? I'm good. Mm-mm. Nick. Nope. And I think I can say the same thing. Um, so with that, goodbye, 2018, I know we're a, a little late on this, but goodbye, 2018. Now we'll, we're looking forward to, to 2019. But in, in lieu of that, I do want to, um, real briefly, just kind of go around the, around the room and you know what was your favorite moment and i'm not going to put a number on i started to put a number on it but cuz i was sitting here thinking as i was listening to everything and i'm i, I don't i've got several that i'm going to bring up just real briefly and not going into a lot of detail but um will we'll we'll start with you nick what was your favorite moment or moments of of just real briefly of 2018
0: i think that stock on that turkey was the first one and the second one, I would say the the, it's kind of a tie between the first brown I hooked on, I hooked up with fly fishing, and the, the biggest one I caught on my fly. I think those are the two moments that really stick out to me.
2: Fair enough. Tom, you're next. And I, I sure hope this doesn't come off as one-upsmanship, but um, a lot of years go by when you don't have moments like I had this year, holding Andrew's bow and shooting that pig. And watching a bull buffalo come straight at me, looking over the irons at very close range. Those two things are with me forever. And one just happy one is seeing you with that giant rucksack on heading into the bighorns. Because that was a pivot. That That was something new.
0: You really got to start going last, Tom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you really do. Because I'm sitting here now going,
1: "Damn, everything I was thinking sounds really shallow now." Um,
2: it a good year. Next year, I won't have anything to say.
1: You know, it 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 really was. And and I say this again. I had a really good season. There there's very little I can complain about. You know my my suicidal bear and the the moving maple is the <laughs> <laughs> it's the only two things that I really can say that frustrated me. But as I look back, the things that popped to mind that are really memorable to me, memorable to me my favorite moments, um, leaving the Goat Hauler 2.0 at the trailhead mm-hmm. and heading into just complete unknown With one of my absolute best friends can't be beat. Um, you know that I looked forward to that hunt probably as much as I did to the antelope hunt. And, you know, even though we walked away from that hunt without, any, any, any meat in the cooler. Um, there was just so, and I could sit here and talk about that again for an hour and I'm not going to
2: do it, but (laughs) (laughs) that was
1: just, that, that moment was, was probably my highlight of the year followed really closely by the, my first bull elk bugle and actually, you know, Mm -hmm. putting a semi-stalk on him, even though I didn't have a, a bow or a tag, um, and getting within bow range that, again, pretty special. And I hate to, I hate to go to two more, but the, 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 the first buck that I shot this year, this year, one of the, one of the few times that I actually went into the woods with a specific plan, waited for a very specific wind and had in my mind exactly what was going to happen. And it happened exactly like I had, Envisioned it and what I planned to, and it ended up being the biggest buck I've taken with uh, a longbow. So that was pretty good. And then, of course, you know, my first my first whitetail with primitive gear was absolutely fantastic. Um, I still start shaking about that when just thinking about it again. So, you know, I had some I had some really good moments. Um, but again, as as great as both of the deer were, you know that that. Putting your eye on the elephant foot and striking out four miles, and knowing that you were just completely dependent upon what you had on your back, and and you know your 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 best friend walking alongside of you was was definitely a, a highlight. So, uh, the highlight without a doubt. So I'll do I'll, I'll I'll same thing go around real quickly, and we're gonna we're gonna try to wrap this up in the next 10, 15 minutes here I think, but maybe twenty. But so Tom, I'll start with you on this one. All right. You know, pick pick one thing that you had this in 2018 that that you would you would do different, or something that maybe you didn't do that you plan to put in effect, in almost like a New Year's resolution kind of thing. I guess.
2: All right, so uh, I'm not big about living with regret, so I'm going to skip the first part. Um, Okay. When you guys did that episode, you were talking about some, uh, muzzle loaders and small game and 38 caliber or something. Mm-hmm. I totally wanted to go squirrel and rabbit hunting again. I mean, I, I wasn't involved in that episode, but I, just, I was listening to it. And, uh, so I ordered a gun, a, a 22 mag over four ten, And I vowed that I'm going to spend some time this winter, just tromping around and, uh, uh, it's kind of a funny thing. It's on backorder, so I've been running around <laughs> with my longbow that I already own, uh, not killing anything. But I've been out. I've been horsesho- uh, snowshoeing and you know longbow hunting for some bunnies and looking for squirrels, and uh, even went out ice fishing. But it's like you know what? I'm not going to wait for a big season or a big hunt to go do something. I'm going to try and get more in in between. That's that that's my big thing for this year is. Uh, more little things more frequently.
1: So would you say that's your, that's your goal for 2019? Yeah. Okay. I was going to, I was going to break those up separately, but that, that's perfectly understandable. So Nick, what about you?
0: Anything, you, anything for...
1: you would do differently or that you want to try to improve upon?
0: Yeah, I would have, um, l- like you said, I, I, with deer hunting, I think I was really getting more of the hang of it towards the end of the year. When I was more fired up about it and, uh, I should have gotten, I could have looked at Grand Valley more seriously before that and probably could have stepped foot on those properties prior to that. Also, Mm -hmm. um, all I would have needed is permission, you know, just to walk and check all that out. And I would have had it figured out before I went out there. The other thing I wish I would have done differently is I wish I would have practiced with that stand all summer. Um, I would have had more opportunities, spread less scent and who knows? I mean, I might, like Tom said, you know, it's, it's in the past now, but I might've, I might've, you know, the two I had chances at, I might've had better chances at them had I been in a stand and, and maybe even had more opportunities that deer. Um, but if I'd have been real comfortable with that, then it would have opened up some more opportunities for me. Uh. So I think those are the two things I would have really done. I don't have anything uh in regards to fishing or turkey hunting. I think it's just deer hunting is the big thing. As I pick up other hobbies, I need to I need to work on getting a little bit hungrier in the off season before I get to that point, you know. Sure.
1: So, sure, and it's um, yep. it's it's as you get more of those those hobbies, those those Things that you like to do in the outdoors, I mean, and I'm not trying to belittle you in any way with what I'm getting ready to say, but I mean, you've, you've pretty much been a, a two facet guy for the most part. It's traditional archery and traditional bow hunting. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think as you, as you add other things to, uh, your, your, your list of things that you like to do. Uh, you're you're going to have to find that balance just like you do with everything else and there's going mm-hmm. to be times that that you would much rather go and hit the river and and you know catch a mess of trout that you're going to have to say you know what today I need to I need to go do x y and z and last year you you were fresh to the sport you had that that hunger and nobody's going to nobody could fault you for just falling in love with fly fishing so mm-hmm. but I do think that the you know it, I know you love hunting on the ground. I still love hunting on the ground. Uh, I still do it on occasion. You know, even if you get to where you're using the, the stand a lot, I think you'll still want to do that some. And it's just another, it's just another tool to add to the tool belt. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Tom, you with the, the small game, uh, and that's actually something that I do want to find a couple of guests. I got a few guests that I've – I want not not individuals but more around topics that I actually want to try to find and get on the show around certain types of small game hunting. And it, it I've been thinking about it too. It's you know, we I think we've all joked about over the last couple of years. I don't think any one of us has turned in a small game award yet for, for M L A, have we? <laughs> nope. I was I
2: know I haven't. I was so close that one, but no, no. Nope.
1: So, you know, I think maybe that's a um Maybe that's a, a mini goal for, for each of us to try to maybe, maybe do that this year. Cause I've been saying I was going to do it for years and I haven't done it. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that, that's pretty cool stuff. I'm you, uh, I'm kind of like you, Tom. I don't, I, I don't necessarily think I have any regrets. I, I can't think of anything this season that I, that I sit and say, you know, if I had the opportunity to do that again, I'd do it differently. I, I really don't. I mean, I, I, again, no complaints. Things that I would try, like to try to improve upon for next for in 2019. And I got, I've actually got a couple one. We've joked about it. Um, you and I, and in fact, we did a little bit on this podcast night, but I am going to work on, I feel like I'm a pretty good, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an average, maybe slightly above average when it comes to fly casting. Hmm. Um, I would say average. Definitely wouldn't go above average. I'm probably average as far as fly casting. And I was truly envious watching you cast. It's a whole different level than what I'm on. So that's one thing that I want to do is – I actually want to, when I'm out on the water this this year, instead of just falling into my normal routine, I actually want to try to do things to improve not just my casting, but expand upon the things that I'm already feel like I'm pretty good at with regards to fly fishing. So not always just falling back to the streamer because I know I can catch fish with it or going to the fly, the dry fly, just because I know it, but nymphing, those kind of things, uh, fishing streamers differently. I do want to do a little bit more of that. The other big one for me, um, and Nick kind of, I think he touched on it right before we started recording, but so I, I sold my, my climbing stand this past, I guess it was in nov- October, November. I got to the middle, middle of the last part of October and I had not used my climber at all and had no desire to do so. Um, and I'd really been watching and reading a lot about the the big saddle movement and it's just like, you know, a lot of things you, you listen to it so long. You think, yeah, is that just a fad? That kind of thing. And I watched enough people that it really piqued my interest. So I figured, you know what? I'll sell my climber. I'm not going to use it. I'll pick up a saddle. I'll try it out. Worst case is I know I can sell it because it's just such a, a, a hot commodity right now. And I'll be honest, guys, I fell in love with it. There's, there's some things I'm going to have to tweak in the off season and really fine tune how I want to hunt with that saddle. Cause I'm, I know there's going to be like two or three different scenarios that I want to plan for with regards to climbing and setup and so forth. But I truly believe it could be a game changer. Um, and I've already told Nick, I think Nick needs to be thinking about setting aside some money and getting one just because, I have never ascended and descended a tree and felt as comfortable and confident that I was safe than, than using that saddle. It it's, it's pretty impressive and I'll, you know, I'll quit rambling on about it cause you can tell I'm already getting fired up about it. But, um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of my two things. Nice. Gentlemen, we've, uh, We've been all around the world here. I'm, uh, it's been, I will just say it was my absolute pleasure to have been involved in adventures with both of you guys this year and can't wait to see what 2019 brings. Um, I know Tom, you and I, we said we've got a hunt coming up. Mm -hmm. I'm still on the fence right now about hunting in Michigan. I may try to work it out. I don't know yet. Uh, as we've said on the podcast, Bella's going to be going off to, uh, college, and there's going to be a lot of adjustment around here, both for me and my wife. So I'm not right now planning any hunts that far away. I may try to hunt Tennessee some this year. I may try to hunt Alabama a little bit this year, but that would probably, other than South Carolina, that's probably as far as I'm going to travel this year. Um, Nick, you got any any plans to hunt anywhere outside of Michigan?
0: No, I think I'm staying put this year. Um not you know i i didn't go too many places last year but i got enough to do around here where i don't really need to go anywhere next year <laughs> i got you that's fair enough
1: tom i know you've you've got some plans for this year you want to go into those
2: real quickly before we wrap up you know I, or you want to save it let's, let's save it it'll be a surprise
1: All right. Sounds, sounds good to me. I'm, I know what it is, so I'm, I'm kind of fired up for you, but, uh, yeah, we'll save that. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll just sit down and plan an episode, maybe right before you do that and kind of walk through some of your planning or something. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk about it offline. We'll figure out a plan there. Okay. Sounds great. Well, gentlemen, uh, I, I can't thank you enough for, for all of the, all the episodes you've participated in 2019 and, uh, all the, the episodes and adventures that we've got ahead of us. I'm, I'm proud to call both of you, my friend.
2: Likewise, absolutely, man. Feel the same.
1: All right. Well, to everyone listening, thank you for, uh, thank you for a great 2018. I know we're already in 2019, but, uh, we, we did want to take this, this moment to, to kind of put a pin in 2018, Um, We hope you're enjoying the content we're bringing to you. We've got a lot of great stuff planned for for 2019. Um, For those of you that don't know, I've actually also started working on a uh, content for YouTube channel. We've got or I've got several things planned there um, pretty wide pretty wide wide range of topics that I, I really don't want to spend time going into here. But if you hadn't already, please hop out on YouTube and do a search for traditional outdoors and find the channel. You'll be sure to know you're there when you see our logo And until next time, if you're enjoying the content and you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And please take the time to head out and leave us a rating and review. Uh, I will tell you now that we do have a really great giveaway coming up in the very near future. I'm finalizing the details right now, but look for that announcement very soon. And it is... Uh, very timely in that we're um, in late winter we'll be moving to spring too soon and people will start getting fly fishing on the brain again that's the only hint i'm gonna give you so until next time everyone thank you so much take care